Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. We're excited to welcome to the show the head men's volleyball coach at Lewis University, Dan Friend. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be on and talk a little volleyball for sure with you guys. Always fun. So you're going into year 18 uh, at Lewis and pretty unique that your wife is in year 15 with a women's program at Lewis. Just curious to start out, what have been some of the benefits of being together coaching at the same university? Oh, yeah. Well, certainly having my wife just talking volleyball more than anything. I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're both, you know, ingrained in volleyball on a lot lot of different levels, whether it's indoor or outdoor, or just we kind of eat, breathe and sleep it. So, and um, there probably was a point, somebody interviewed us a while back, there was a point where sometimes I would try to kind of like, hey, we need a little bit of volleyball time away. And my wife's like, nah. So we tried to have some conversations at home. And so I was like, at some point, it was like, you know, we just, you know, she'll come home, you know, like last night from the match this morning, we're eating breakfast, talking about a road travel and trip. And so it's just, you know, we're talking about things that happen all the time with it in the game. And it's just kind of ingrained in our culture and how we do things. And her office is literally on the other side of the wall right here. So, uh, which is pretty neat, you know, and you would think, well, you're on top of each other and you get tired of each other, but you know, like this weekend they travel and they're gone. And so it's me and Ray and we're just hanging out. So we have these weekends where we don't see each other at all. And she was gone the previous two weekends in Colorado and Florida. So there's a balance with life there too, where we're not on top of each other as much as you might think we are. Right now we're trying to find time where we can hang out sometimes because it's like one has practice and the other one's coming home and you got the five-year-old. So you're trying to balance some of that stuff but it's it's been really great and I don't still know that I really have any negatives you know I think one of the neat things about COVID and you guys probably felt this was just I probably got to hang out with my wife and our child more than I'd ever had in the past 20 years and so so it really kind of it put a there was a neat piece with that in terms of this family and hanging out and doing things and so and uh, maybe making sure that I have some balance as I go back in the after COVID where you're working a ton to make sure hey you were able to do this. Don't forget that in terms of that. So that was a piece that came up. What about like philosophically? Is there ever things that you guys... We are different on some yeah. things, yeah. which is why the conversations get good. You know, she didn't swing block for a while and she kind of fought it. And then uh, I think eventually she kind of bought into that a little bit. She empowers her team extremely well. And I do it, but we do it in different ways. You know, she'll do it to a point where maybe the team will make decisions in front of her decision which can, can affect our family a little bit, but, and then a lot of times I'll let the team have those decisions, but sometimes I'll trump it if something's going on with family. And so that's just different to ways we look at it. One's not right or wrong. It's just kind of how philosophically we look at some of the, the team decisions that get influenced in terms of that and everything. But, uh, you know, from an offensive standpoint, she was a setter. She played at UNC Asheville. Uh, it was really good. Led the NCAA one year, I think. And so I take a lot of opinions from her about training setters and offense and things like that. And I'll even have her come in and train our setters. She'll have me come in at practice and work with blocking or, you know, you know, some things that we do well in terms of that. So there's things where we use each other at different times of the year. Um, when I was a little younger, I used to be able to jump in. I don't do that uh, as much anymore in terms of that. But uh, but certainly it's, it's good conversation uh, when things come up about offensive. And even when we because we got caught watching now, you know, we're watching you know, Big Ten stuff or other things. And we'll talk about, you know, how footwork is on something or, you know, certainly the, how the women's game is so proficient at the slide in terms of that. And then she's like, well, why don't the guys do it? And, 
we've got a 6'11 middle now, Tyler, who actually runs the slide a little bit. So I'm asking her notes about them training that and chasing the ball and things like that. So, so I do think there's a lot of crossover with that type of dialogue. It's cool. You guys make it work. Uh, my wife also plays beach volleyball and I'm most sensitive when she's giving me advice. So that's cool. Uh, you guys, you're above that. Uh, well, I don't know totally above that, but certainly there's <laughs> lots of conversations, but uh, yeah, it's good. Um, so our topic is about uh, having success as a small program. Um, and you've been able to have a lot of success as a small Midwestern school, an area that is not really known for, for volleyball as much. What have been some of the key factors to your success? Well, I do think outside of this bag of fairy dust I have that I sprinkle on kids' heads <laughs> and they come play for me. So, but I do think, so Chicagoland itself has really grown, I think, in terms of it's the second biggest area for boys volleyball outside of Southern California. And so there certainly is a pocket of players and that's continued to grow over the years, you know, just especially in the past 10 or 15 years. And so that helps, you know, having that in your background or in your backyard in terms of that and everything. And so, uh, and then I think our culture and lots of teams talk about this, but we do have a great culture and it's been super sustainable in terms of players. You know, I like to think that we kind of recruit what I call blue collar work ethic guys. And so, We'll get a few blue blue chip guys, USA youth team, national team guys in here, but certainly not as many as some of those other programs. And so we get those guys that might be a little bit under the radar uh, that want to train and want to work hard and have something to prove. And, uh, and along with that culture, those are the guys that have driven our program, you know, and Tyler, the guy we were just talking about, he's a bowling book product, which is down the street. His you know, dad is a superintendent and he's an aviation major. So that helped us out a little bit because he does aviation maintenance and, uh, but, you know, he could barely walk and chew gum. And now the kid touches 12-6 and he's on our Pan Am USA team. And so he's, and that's to his credit, to his work ethic. And so, but we've had a handful of guys like that. Matt Yoshimoto, who was player of the year. I found him in club in 18s down at court, you know, 120 hitting and setting and hadn't gone anywhere in July going into the, you know, it's a senior year. And it's like, Hey, he goes, oh, I was just going to go to Juco out in California. And so, we get him to come out to camp. He decides to come and he ends up being like a, you know, two-time All-American and player of the year for the conference by the time he's done. And that doesn't change for me. It doesn't, it hasn't mattered the success. We try to find the guys that, you know, want to come in and grind and work and, and we'll sprinkle the, the really good guys when we can get them in there. And we find a balance with that. But I think if I ever lose sight that, that my recruiting is changing, that would change things. And that's not going to happen. I just, I got to stay a little longer than some other coaches. I got to recruit you know, into the club sometimes and make sure I'm doing that and not missing somebody and, you know, picking up guys that are from different areas, whether it be, you know, we've had some Seattle guys, Tom Logan was a, you know, guy from us from up there. And, you know, so I have random guys from different pockets, whether it's from where I'm from, from Kansas or, you know, different areas. And it's continuing to do that stuff. And I think that kind of drives us a little bit. And then, you know, I think the selling point of certainly you can go to UCLA or Hawaii or, those are great schools and big time programs. But when you play volleyball at Lewis, we're the one of the most popular sports on campus. So you come in, our gym holds at 1100. It's a high ceiling. You know, I think in Loyola, we had the fire marshal out here because we had about 1400 in the gym. And so it's a, you get 800 people in here and you and me can't have a conversation, let alone 11, 1200 in here. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's rocking and it's a pretty neat atmosphere to play in. And it's super supportive by the student athletes that are here and the, general students and then even the community. And so it's a, it makes for a good selling point in terms of culture and what you're playing in front of. And so when kids go, kids go through that recruiting process, it's like, well, Hey, what do I, 
do I want to be at a big school? And maybe uh, certainly volleyball is good here, but it's maybe not as popular as basketball or football. Or do I go to a school where it's like, it's the most popular sport on campus. So we try to sell some of those things at times and the one-on-one teacher experience. And you do, if you go to a, a smaller school, a lot of times you'll have smaller class sizes and get to know your teachers a little bit sooner and get into your major a little bit sooner. So we have, we have to sell our strengths in terms of what we do well and what we can do well from that standpoint. Cool. And what are some of the disadvantages and how have you been able to navigate those? Well, again, small campus. So social life, what's there to do on campus? I think, uh, you know, we are in the South suburbs, so we're about 35 miles from downtown. So you got to kind of, you got to sell that with the, maybe the disadvantage of not having as big of a social life as an Ohio state or maybe a bigger campus in terms of that. And what are the things that kids do for fun and how do they stay interactive and things like that? So, so that can be well, but I think it's, it's, it's about the niche. These are the things that we do do well. And we don't dwell on much of those disadvantages. I may know them, you know, in terms of, you know, because I went to I went to K-State and KU. So big schools, big campuses. Uh, but I actually finished my undergrad at a school called Washburn, which was similar to Lewis. Uh, and so you got to kind of find one of those things that you're selling versus maybe on those disadvantages sometimes in terms of that, even though you may have them. We're funded pretty well, which is really nice. Um, you know, we're fully scholarship. Uh, we're always fundraising a little bit, 20 or 30,000, but I don't know if that's different from any program. Uh, and then we actually started an endowment project. Uh, I've got bored in COVID. I don't sit around well. And so uh, I started this endowment project of 500,000 over five years. And right now we're at 180,000 in 14 months. So that's been a, a, a nice growth project for us as well. But that would be a, a disadvantage. Like my alumni base is fairly young. So maybe compared to like programs that have been a long longer, you know, our oldest alumni is early 40s. So in that sense, you know, you're not making as much money as maybe some of those alumni that are in their 50s and 60s. So when you're trying to do something like this type of project, it certainly is a little bit harder from that standpoint looking at that. So you, you mentioned culture, how, you know, that's really important to you. And I heard you talk about it on a different interview. I listened with you. Uh, in that interview, you mentioned there's four things uh, that are important to your culture. It was having fun, team mentality, uh, outside the box, which sounds like it was like doing extra, and then ownership and pride in your program. Are, are those still the four priorities in your culture? Yep. It's in there. So we give everybody a goal book. And in the front of that goal book or binder, my philosophy, and it's really my philosophy. And it talks and it gives a little bit of a paragraph of a brief description of each of those. But yeah, that hasn't changed at all. You know, I think maybe to go into it just a hair, like, so the having fun piece is anywhere from, you know, when you're training on the court and enjoying competing every day, you see, you know, the learning piece gets better. Guys learn quicker. They're enjoying the experience because they're competing with other guys, you know, in terms of that. And how do we make sure we're enjoying and having a fun game? Maybe that's, you know, how we celebrate. And we've actually had to teach guys how to celebrate. It It is amazing that 18 to 22 year olds don't know how to come out of their shell sometimes. And so, you know, some of our guys are like, okay, hey, what's your, what's your celebration dance when you get a block or what are you doing or <laughs> things like that. And so, and what they actually have to show the guys in front of them, like, hey, you know, I'm doing this, I'm flexing or I'm doing something good. I mean, just to, just to kind of break down some of those barriers sometimes, but so maybe even the having fun on the court piece to the outside of the court is too. Like we go paintballing, we go to nice. the dunes up in Michigan, which is Tower Hill. It's like a 240 foot dune, you know, we've done whirly ball. I don't know if you guys have ever whirly balled yet. You'll have to look it up. You ought to be like go-karts and you're throwing a ball into a, a basket. You know what I mean? In terms of that. But we find things that are fun, you know, that, you know, keep things light. I'll have the, the we have the men's and women's 
team or both teams over for dinner in the preseason, which is really cool. They come over. We set up cross net this year so the guys could play cross net in terms of that and everything. We got bags going on. So activities that keep things fun, create that culture. And so the guys understand that, you know, the guys will do dress up games or postseason, you know, whether they're, you know, wearing NBA jerseys or things like that. We do a Halloween picture where guys dress up for practice. And so I think there's a long list of that stuff that's kind of ingrained that keeps that light when it needs to be because they've got enough stressors as it is and volleyball at times is going to be stressful, but how do we keep that, that culture piece in there? And so the mentality piece I think has become even bigger. I think when I was talking to both of you guys at the, at the AVP, but we're using that neural fuel app, which is really cool created mm-hmm. by uh, Kirsten Booth and their group up at uh, Creighton. And, but I think these COVID challenges have been really big and the mentality piece has become even bigger. And, you know, we do, we've always done visualization or we've done it a long time, you know, both, maybe daily as well as you know pre-game match and post-game match sometimes and we have journals for the guys where I don't need to see them but like pre-practice they might take a few notes and then post-practice we make make them write in it right away and then maybe that next day we remind them in the morning hey write in your journals again about maybe what happened yesterday uh we read a book as a team like our incoming freshmen always have to ring the inner game of tennis and then they get to pick from this list of books and then we let our team pick a book. And by the way, I actually think they're leaning towards open. Uh, Good so one. We gave, we gave them a list of like four or five books. And they, I said, hey, I need you to kind of look through them. And, and so we'll read the book and then we'll go through some things. And there's another thing we do that's a, a positive and negative sheet. So each one of the guys would fill out a couple positives, a couple negatives about each player. Then they turn that sheet in and then we put it all together. And then we have what we call this round table discussion where the whole group gets in a circle and they, we give them a copy of their sheet, positive and negatives. And they're like, okay, Hey, somebody said this about me negative. What did you mean? Uh, and then that person, you know, this is a tough one because uh, you know, you got to, oh, yeah, Hey, I said this, I, I thought this happened, blah, blah, blah. And we talk about it and it learns how to do the conflict thing as a team, as a family in front of each other. And, I remember the first time we did this like 10 years ago, it was pretty gnarly. Like the guys were, you know, we had to call a timeout. I was like, okay, hey, take a step back. You know what I mean? But <laughs> over the years, it's gotten pretty good and guys take it in stride and they want to get better and they, they, they want the feedback in terms of that. So that's been a good one on the mentality. And, but it's also the individual mentality. We have the guys do a task list uh, once a week and they do, there's three categories. Uh, there's the volleyball piece. There's the outside piece uh, like things they might need to do. And there's a mental piece. They got to fill out three of these things. And then they stop by my office once a week. One gets me an opportunity to visit with them, talk a little bit. We talk about those things. And usually the conversation is five minutes, but we might talk a little longer if there's something else going on, but it makes them be kind of task orientated weekly about things they want to accomplish and stuff like that. So the outside the box stuff, I think you kind of hit it. It's like, we give you all these things, all these organizations to do, but what are the things that kind of separates you from the guys that you're competing with in the gym? And what are the things that separate you? Maybe the guy to another program. And so are you doing some extra film? Are you getting the extra lift in? What are you doing over the summer to get better? Are you coaching yourself? Maybe younger kids. I think that's a great thing because it just makes you better at the game. Uh, are you playing beach or grass? And so we go through those things about, Hey, how do you make yourself better? And then maybe it's not even volleyball related, but it's like, Maybe you're, you're joining an educational fraternity or what are the other things that you do that make you a better person, which reflect not only on yourself, but on the program. And so, and are you involved in volunteer activities or how do you make, you know, there's all those things that just make you, I think, a better individual and grow. Mm-hmm. 
And so we talk about that stuff on the outside the box thing. And then the last part is the ownership and role and maybe understanding the history of Lewis. And, you know, I think you guys were both around. I know that Lewis, you know, had that 2003 title, unfortunately taken away. And I still have nightmares from that one. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it was a great group of guys and it was unfortunate, I think, you know, and we tried to tie those alumni back in and, but you need to know the history of Lewis and, you know, that had some great players even before that in 96 and 98. And, and then the, the rebirth of kind of the program now and where it's been and, uh, but taking ownership and pride in that and understanding that, you know, if you do something negatively that reflects on that being at a smaller program, that is even has more of an impact. And so we talk a lot about those things and I've even gotten more into the foster of giving back. And I think that's another pride shift. It's like, so we've done this endowment project and it's like, we make all our current players we're like, Hey, you should really give, uh, maybe it's five bucks, maybe it's 10 bucks, but you go out and, you know, buy your beer or buy your Jimmy John's or whatever. It's like, it's not very much, but learning how to give back to the program that, you know, you're working with and, you know, you know giving so much yourself in terms of that, as well as it gives back to you. And so that's been one that I've kind of gone on a little bit more because I'm not sure anybody taught me that in the beginning. And, as you guys probably do, I have several things I give to now that are important to me. And I think that's a, an important thing to teach the guys at the same time. But yeah. I mean, there's probably a little more, but that's a lot of those four things that I think are ingrained in the culture and the program that make things kind of move forward continuously. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's nice to hear those examples and can see just how intentional you are about culture. And it's not just let's see what happens, but uh, there's a lot of thought behind each, each part of those, each, uh, I guess, you know, idea. But yeah, so then how do you know if the culture is um, really being bought in? Like what feedback do you look for to see if your players are invested in the culture? Well, captains for sure. I mean, outside of those, like we talked to those guys step by and I, I literally asked them how they're doing and what's going on. Are you acclimated? I think as a coach, and especially in this day and time, you got to be done. I mean, we have, we have a larger roster. So you got 25 guys and this has probably become a little bit of the challenge, but taking time to ask those guys how they're doing. Hey, how are you doing? How's class going? And that's a piece that I think is really important that you got, Hey, is everything okay? Am I hearing something? You know, I heard this, like, can I help? And, you know, really, you know, and it's not this fake thing. I do. I mean, the, the biggest piece is about seeing the development of your players. You're not just bringing them in to bring them in. And so, and I want to see them become better and they see how you're genuine. And so sometimes you'll pick up some stuff that maybe they don't like or something that's going on. It's like, well, how do we change that? And then I really rely on the captains too. It's like, you know, that captain feedback in terms of what we do and we've changed this over the year. I got this from my wife and it was really good. And so we used to come in and, you know, I'd have a couple of guys that we think might be captain and we'd have the guys vote on these guys. And, you know, those are the guys that would be captain. And But we've changed it over the years where you have to apply now and then you get interviewed by the team, uh, which is really good. Uh, and then so like this fall, what we're doing is we've got two or three guys that were from last year. And then we have two other three guys, two or three other guys that are interested. So right now they're all captains. We've got like five or six guys. And so I meet with them once a week and we go through these lists of things that are going on and they give me a beat of the team and Hey, am I missing something? Hey, can we dial back one practice for whatever reason, or this is going on. And I listen to them. They're like, Hey, can we do this? The guys really like that. And so, and, and they're not trying to skate or get out of stuff because they want to win too. They want to get better. And so I think, you know, that's when they're bought in, but it, if there's some, Hey, guys are feeling a bit, there's a, there's a little bit of soreness or we've got a couple injuries going on more than normal. And, and I'm listening to them and, and taking that into account, then I, I think you get that buy-in piece as well. But that captain piece was pretty good. Like I just, so we started doing that three or four years ago and I got that from Laura Lee 
uh, and just really empowering them to have those captains and people wanting to be captains. Cause I think when we talk about this, it's like, Hey, it's on your resume. And people look at that. It's like, Oh, Hey, I was a captain of the team for two years. And that's a, that's a great credential to have for you. Cause they're like, okay, Hey, that, that shows leadership value and things like that from that standpoint. So. Nice. And I could see how the culture could impact the program. Um, as an athlete, you're like, Hey, I had a great experience. This was a lot of fun. We were tight. Um, which is huge and important, but how does it show up on the court? How does it improve your guys' volleyball? I think it shows up certainly in the tight moments because if the team can trust, and that's the big one, it's the trust piece. If you're all on the same page and trusting, you're not worried about what you know Bill or Dave did the other day in terms of that, then I think that's a pretty big piece. And so I think that could even go into, so like last year, and I didn't know this, like we got into postseason play uh, and they have a, a no drinking rule in postseason play. You know, and one of the guys broke the rule and is a guy that's maybe not a starter, but six or seven, a guy that could play. Captains came in and it's like, hey, he's got to be suspended for the Neva final. Like, all right, it's your guys' call. I understand that. You know what I mean? And so so he's suspended. You know what I mean? And so he's not dressing up for that match. And so and the fact that those guys and I think that carries weight to the rest of the guys. It's like, hey, this is a guy that could have played and they carried that through. And so that's when you know your culture is working. Like, I'm not doing that. That's those guys and those guys holding it up. So and so that's the piece that translates into the playing piece as well, because then you have that trust factor and guys are bid in, effort, hustle, communication, all the things that we carry really high. And then we're playing those matches and winning some of those matches, I think, because of that at times. And so and certainly you get there have been times over the years where I think it has been tested. You know what I mean? And we have to re go back and look at it and say, hey, what's going on? And what's happened and how do we change? What am I missing? Or, and, and we have to tackle that stuff. And I, I think it happens in those growth years. I think this year could be one of those years. We graduated, you know, a good group of guys and Coonan who was, you know, whatever it was, six time all, all American. I think, could you do that? I guess, but uh, Empire <laughs> of the year, do you know what I mean? And so we graduated yeah. some of these great pieces and yeah, I think we'll have, we could have a little bit of that this year. It depends on how the captains grasp some things and how this young group comes in and, and that'll be my job to hopefully steer the ship with the help of the captains and, and some of the trust factor where that need becomes really important. So you might not always have the, the blue chip. And so there might be a little bit of a gap uh, from a talent perspective to make up. Do you think there's things you do in practice to close that gap to, you know, to have all the success that you guys have had? That's a good question. And so from my, I'm inside, so I'm not outside. And so I always wondered that, like, and I'll try to go to some other gyms to see what other coaches do, but it's hard on the men's side. I usually just go on the women's side. And so right. people have said, I'm not, this isn't meant to be arrogant, that we train well in our gym. And I do think we train well in our gym. We spend a lot of time. And so we're, we're trying to help those guys become better and whether it's be passing or blocking or attacking, but I got to believe everybody does though, you know, to an extent, but you know, maybe we're doing some things a little bit more with those guys that are under the radar in terms of that and really trying to train that. I think it's the only way I could know that we're maybe sometimes covering the ground, but I don't know what UCLA or Santa Barbara, and I, I got to believe those are great coaches and those guys are doing some of those training things. And so, you know, maybe concept wise, we get guys to grab some of that a little faster, some other places or the way we're doing it, it's a little bit different. And so, uh, but it's a a thing that I've tried to put my finger on, but I do think we train well. I think the guys come in and we're spending time. And the greatest thing about our freshmen, these guys come in and move in a couple of weeks ago. uh, And those guys had already been to the gym three times. And I didn't even tell them to be like, they're in there playing and hitting and doing stuff. And our incoming guys move in. We're not incoming guys. Our returning guys move in that weekend. The freshmen have already been in the gym three times. And 
I tell our returning guys, you guys got to catch up. These guys are already doing stuff in training. And so, and those things are great. I'm not doing anything and they're already touching the ball and finding a way. So, and uh, our captains do a great job in open gyms where I don't, and this is not me. I don't, they basically run it as a practice. Like I'm not, it's not, I remember 10 years ago, they would just come in and play. And now they don't do that. They come in and they're like, they're training, serve, receive and passing. And then, and then they'll get to six on six. So, and I, I have nothing to do with it. I'm not even asking. They're just saying, Hey, it went good. We'd worked on some stuff. And I think when you got things like that going on, it certainly helps from the training perspective so that they already know what offense and defense was. And we hadn't even had a team practice yet. And so I get into it and then we're going, we're even a page in front of where I thought we would be in terms of that stuff. And so, yeah. Can you, I know you already talked about um, recruiting and I like how you frame um, how not having a football team or basketball team could be like an advantage for you guys um, when talking to recruits. How do you invest your time wisely and find the right players when you're recruiting? Well, I, that's a good one. Uh, I think we're certainly, no, we know about the top kids and we're getting on those. I think when I started me being involved with USA was huge, you know, so you know, being, being invited in the national team development stuff was really big. I tried to do high performance championships. I tried to do a one, a two. I was eventually over the years, I was a head coach for the youth team, the junior team. I was trying to get involved with all that stuff. So that was pretty big, you know, getting myself in front of these kids that could be possibilities. So that was pretty big. And then, you know, I was always not afraid to go to any extra events I needed to. It's over the years. Now I'm trying to figure out how do I still give that time and commitment, but you know, we do have a five-year-old and I do, you know, it's like, how do I find the balance? And so that's what I'm working on now because you still have to grind. You still have to find the kids or we're not going to stay on par with what we want to do. In the beginning, I didn't have a full-time assistant. You know, we didn't get one until 2000. I'm trying to think back like 13. And so for the, when I got here in 04 or five, we didn't have one for what was it, eight or nine years. And so it was just me and a GA and it's hard to ask the GA to do recruiting than that, you know, when they were getting paid $6,000 and that's it. So and so when we got the full time, that helped out a little bit in terms of more time commitment because other schools were doing that. So, but I think it is, I think it's finding the, 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 the events that make sure you're going through and get in front of kids. Like, you know, I'll probably go watch a Wisconsin high school kid next Wednesday, you know, trying to get involved with clubs. I think the hard part now is like the young guys like Dave at Pepperdine or Kevin at Ohio state, those guys are, are running these clinics at these clubs now. I'm like, okay, now I got to figure this out and I got to go run clinics at clubs just so I'm keeping on par with those guys. And so, so people ramp it up and you got to figure it out. I remember I, Kevin would, uh, Birch would follow me around to the court hundred when I was recruiting. I go, will you quit following me? There's nobody down there for you. <laughs> I'm trying to find. But now you got all these D3 programs too, with those 110 D3 programs. And huh. you know, when I started at Lewis, there was maybe, 35 or 40 D1, D2 programs. And you've, you've added about 15 division two programs in the past, you know, 10 years. So that's great. So all that stuff's getting harder because there's not as many diamond in the roughs or guys that are on the low end in terms of that from that standpoint. So, but I do think it's just, it's, I use this word a lot, the grind piece, but I think you got to put the time in time and effort. And, you know, if you're, if that changes, it's hard to continue to be successful. So you got to be willing and maybe you're finding different ways to do it, but you have to have to, time and effort and find, you know, ways to find those kids that might be under a rock or something. I know we, uh, we kind of labeled this success of a small program. How do you like frame it with your players? Do you guys talk about being the underdogs? Um, is that like insulting? Like, how do you, when you guys talk about playing those bigger teams, like, how do you talk about it? We talk about it in the framework where it's like, so it's certainly the program has had success. 
but this year's team hasn't had that success. So you, what you're here, if you're a new brand new guy, it's like, or if you're a guy stepping on the court and getting that opportunity to prove where this team could be, it's a proving ground every year. We, you know, we're, we're walking into UCLA and you may think we're better because of the program has had some history, but that doesn't mean anything. You get, you got to go out and play and, and earn that opportunity. And on the flip side, McKendry, who's had some great years this past couple of years, I mean, they want to beat us everything every time we step on the court. And you think now that maybe you walk out and you don't have to play as hard. Well, they just beat you last year. You know what I mean? And so it's like it's finding that balance between just because we had some success, that doesn't mean anything. Like, we're going to walk into Ball State. they got a brand-new head coach. Their new assistant is an alumni of here. They want to beat us really bad. And you may think you've beat them the past few years, but that means nothing. And the tough part with that sometimes is I know that, but until they get kicked in the teeth, they don't quite know that. I remember last year we opened up at Ohio State. Bunch of young guys. Kevin Birch is going into his first year. They beat us. We're walking back to that locker room and the guys are upset and mad. I'm like, well, what did you expect? You played like crap. You know, you were unforced errors all over the place. You're not going to beat anybody. We go out the next night and we win in three. And you hate to, and you, you don't want those losses. So I always try to figure out how to get that in front of them before it actually happens. But sometimes there's just no way. I think... We got a super tough schedule this year. We're going to get kicked around a little bit because we're going to be young and have some new guys, but we're playing Long Beach and Irvine and Pep and UCLA and we're out of Hawaii. And it's like, who made the schedule? Gosh, this guy's, a, guy's an idiot. It's like, so it's like, we're going to get kicked around a little bit, but I know it'll be good for us, you know, but at the same time, you know, there's that fine line. We'll have to figure out how do we re- rebound and bounce back. But I think it's that every year. There has been a couple of years where the guys already know it. And so I, and I really, I just have to throw the volleyballs out. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> 15 was like that. I just threw the volleyballs out and the guys knew what to do and how to run it. And we were tweaking things, but I wasn't coaching as much as I was in, you know, maybe 13, you know, or something like that. But this year is a coach year. So I'm going to earn my money and work this year because we have some work to do.